Should you not fear me, declares the Lord, should you not tremble in my presence, I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. But these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God, who gives autumn and spring rains in season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. Among my people are the wicked who lie in wait like men who snare birds and like those who set traps to catch people. Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Their evil deeds have no limit. They do not seek justice. They do not promote the case of the fatherless. They do not defend the just cause of the poor. Should I not punish them for this, declares the Lord? Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? A horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority. And my people love it this way. But what will you do in the end? This is the word of God. Thank you, Sally. Powerful words and so well read. I don't think the word of God often needs visual illustration, but uh, just some of those words uh, reminded me of those experiences, maybe you've had them, where you stand on the, the, the beach and feel the gentle waves come in. Um, here's a, a picture of something like that. All right, that's probably sufficient. The video continues. That I'll get out is the word. Jeremiah speaks to the people of sand that God has created, 
that creates a barrier for the ocean. Sometimes we think sand keeps us safe. You know, the, the waves, they, they toss against it, but the ocean doesn't exceed the bounds that God has placed for it. But yet, often even as God's people, we can think that we can stand against God when if we try and stand on the sand against the waves, we have no power over them. Should we not fear the Lord? We've been looking at Jeremiah over recent weeks. He's had this message for us just in the last few chapters. God's people have committed spiritual adultery by worshipping idols rather than worshipping the living God. They have broken their covenant vows with God and he, as he said, that will lead them to judgment. And so God calls upon his people to repent God warns them of the judgment that is to come. Today we're going to look at some of the consequences for refusing to repent. And if we were to continue next week, which we're not, we would be looking at how God has rejected his people. I hope that as we look today at the judgment that God cries out over Judah, that we might be able to hear that warning and see the relenting of God rejecting his people, even as the judgment comes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is our heart's desire that we might be people of the truth. Lord, we know what that looks like. We know that it means that we should be people of repentance, who see our sins as they really are, and see that it's, it's an affront to you and it destroys any relationship that we might have with you. And so we come, and because of the blood of Jesus, we enter into a relationship with you. You free us from the judgment that is to come. This is the true testimony of Jesus. This is the truth that we know, and it's the truth that we need to tell. So refresh us, Lord, that we would not be those who deny the truth by our words and actions. But in our lives, those that we care for, and our words that we speak, that we would be true witnesses of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if it's one of the benefits of the fires or not, but um, my classes through the week, rather than being 23 kids in the classroom, were whittled down to 12 and 10 kids per lesson. Um, I wasn't quite sure how to feel about that because sometimes if you are used to guiding a group and then suddenly the group is a lot smaller, you don't know whether you're going to have that same group dynamic. But I was praying and hoping that what would happen is in those smaller groups that good discussions would be able to be had. And they were. We were able to not get off topic but explore some of the questions alongside of what we were talking about. And some of the questions were things like, what of the people that don't go to heaven? So we were able to talk about hell. And questions like, but why shouldn't people who are good be able to go to heaven even though they've rejected God? And talked about, well, why, if you reject God, would you want to go to heaven? It's his home. We're going to address some of those sorts of questions this morning. Jeremiah begins in 
chapter 5 with these words. God says to him, Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man who does justice and seeks truth, that I may not pardon her. Let me ask you, what is the desire of God? What is it that he wants to see practiced on the earth in communities of people? Truth and justice. Is it God's desire to bring punishment against people? No. He hopes to be able to relent. He says to Jeremiah, go out and if you can find one who seeks truth and justice, well then maybe I will relent from this disaster that is to come. We've heard similar words before, haven't we? And, and Jeremiah would remember them. In the days of Abraham, God heard of, of the sin and, that was being practiced in Sodom and Gomorrah. The cry had come to heaven and he'd come down himself to see if the testimony was true. And Abraham pleaded with him, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous in the city. Will you sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare with the, as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If you find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare that whole place for their sake. We know that Abram, in, in his desire for people and his love for people, then continued to plead with God. What if it's five short of 50? Would you spare it for the sake of 45? The Lord says, yes, I would spare it for 45. What about, what about for 40? Would you spare it for 40? Yes. Forgive me, Lord, for being so bold, but, but would you spare it for the sake of 30, of 20? Of ten. Yes, yes, yes. It's not in God's heart to judge the righteous with the wicked or to take a righteous person and to treat them the same as, as one who has turned their heart from God. God's desire is that he would find people of justice and truth, people after his own heart, for his desire is to relent from bringing disaster though justice demands that it come. I want to ask you right at the beginning, are you that person of truth? Are you willing to stand for justice, to plead the, the cause of the orphan, to care for the cause of the needy, to pray even though you see those around you turn in their hearts away from God, to remain a person of faith, and to remain faithful. Because God is searching out such people. Though they say, as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. Don't be confused. God's not looking for you just to declare one day of the week, the Lord lives, I, I follow him, and, and through the rest of the week, to, to bear no resemblance of that God. That's what the people are doing. They say, as the Lord don't speak falsely. O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? You have struck them down, but they have felt no anguish. 
You have consumed them, but they have refused to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. The Lord is seeking after these things, repentance and obedience. But all he's getting is hard faces. People who refuse to be ashamed, refuse to address their guilt, refuse even to look into the face of God. He wants just a turning away from that which is wrong. He's disciplined in order to bring that repentance, but it hasn't come. So Jeremiah knows what's to come, but pleads for them. Verse 4, he says, uh, These are only the poor. They have no sense. They know not the way of the Lord, the justice of their God. I will go to the great. I will speak to them, for they know the way of the Lord, the justice of their God. And what does he find when he goes from the poorest to the greatest? It's not people who haven't heard or don't understand what God's desire is for them. Those who have the teachings of the Lord, whose responsibility it is to say, we serve a God of justice. We serve a God who, who desires that the orphan have a place, that the foreigner has somewhere to stay, that we as a nation be a blessing to the nations around about us. But they alike had broken the yoke. They had burst the bonds. Therefore, a lion from the forest will strike them down. A lion, a wolf, a leopard. Those sorts of things, maybe they're, they're hard for us to, to understand. We, we kind of feel like we've subdued all of our, our dangerous creatures around the world and, and don't have that, that true sense, I don't think, of, of what it's like if you live in a remote camp and you hear the, the, crowd, the, the cry of, of a wild animal out in the night. And you know if you step one foot outside the camp, you might be stepping into that lion's trap. In fact, even as people turn in their beds to sleep, the camp itself may not be safe. That's what Jeremiah is saying. You can't harden your faces to God and then continue to live as if you're in safety. God is going to bring the judgment. It will not be able to be escaped. The lion is in the forest. The wolf is in the desert. The leopard is watching their cities. Everyone who goes out from them shall be torn to pieces because their transgressions are many and their apostasies are great. God wants to relent. He wants to see people turn and face him yet again. He's given them blessing after blessing. He says they are well-fed people. I've brought them into a good land and I've cared for them. But what are they like? Well-fed, lusty stallions. People who are so strong that they are confused, uh, consumed by their passions and all they express is their weakness. All they are doing is going after one God and then another. All of this described so that God might be able to say, am I not right in my judgment? If I see these things, is it not right that I put an end to them at some point? Do I not answer the cries of the righteous that say, Lord, our society is turning against you. The people have lost their way. You've given them so much, but they're hardening their faces to you. 
Is it not right that God comes in his judgment? For the judgment will come. Verse 10, go up through her vine rows and destroy, but make not a full end. Strip away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have been utterly treacherous to me, declares the Lord. He's planted them as a vineyard in order that they might grow and flourish, in order that that their fruit might bring a blessing to others. But now as they have proven fruitless, Jeremiah's job is to go and strip the branches off the vine. But hear how even in words of judgment, God allows hope. He's like, I want you to go into the vineyard, strip the branches off the vines, but leave the vines themselves. There is hope to come. Hope that when we read of of Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches, speaks of this hope has been preserved. There has has been a a day of reckoning, but, but God has something better in store. Will we see it? Will we see the days of God's mercy? I believe we have and we do. They have spoken falsely and said, He will do nothing, no disaster will come on upon us, nor shall we see sword and famine. The prophets will become wind, their word is not in them. It shall be done, uh, thus it shall be done to them. God's judgment comes, yet he will show mercy. Strangely, sometimes gets confused as a message of peace, that whatever you do, God will forgive. That whatever your lifestyle, whatever your choices, God is happy with you. That God is a good God and, and above everything else, he seeks your happiness. So whatever you want to do to make yourself happy, you do it with God's blessing. You know, I don't think that was just the language of the day. I don't think it was just for the people of Judah that they got confused to to say that, well, God isn't really a God who judges. If we look back over the last few hundred years, we, we know at times he disciplines, but, you know, really, he's happy with the way that we live. So long as we say the Lord lives, we're free to do whatever we like. I don't think so. I think that's still a temptation that we fall into even as believers in Christ. Even as believers who gather together in churches. Or listen to the message of preachers online. I don't know. It's easy to get into this peace kind of language. But it's a deception. The words of such prophets, Jeremiah says, are like wind. They might sound nice. They might give excuse. They might give permission. But they're just wind. You want to form churches that say, let's accept and bring a blessing to same-sex marriage. That's just wind. It sounds like God. Because it talks about love and acceptance and we know that God is about love and acceptance. But it's just wind. It's deception. What God puts in the, in 
the mouth of Jeremiah is a fire. Where does he say that? Verse 14. Because you have spoken this word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth a fire and this people would, and the fire shall consume them. There will come a day when God will test the work of his people. Last week we talked about the warnings of, of the judgment fires to come, the, the fire of hell that is a final judgment. But on that day of judgment, even our works will be tested. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul writes from verse 10, According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I think that's that fire that God is putting in the mouth of Jeremiah. Speak truth to people. So that they don't get confused by words of peace and platitudes that say what God will accept and what God will not accept, what God is willing to bless and what he will not bless. We need to be clear, not only of our foundation on Christ, but what we build upon that foundation. They need to be works that last. For as judgment was coming to the people of Israel... A judgment comes. What's the problem that God reveals? Verse 22, the people do not fear me. The people do not tremble before me. I place the sand as a boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss and they cannot prevail, though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say in their hearts, let us fear the Lord our God who gives us the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these away and your sins have kept good from you. I know at times people say to me, uh, why, why are you preaching that message today? I'll tell you why we're preaching Jeremiah, because the end of Galatians, I asked the Lord, well, where do we go next? Through any calendar year, I try and preach from the epistles, from the Old Testament, from the Gospels. And Jeremiah, I had been reading in part, and, and I just felt this is where we go. And where has it led us? To passages that speak about drought in times of terrible drought. Of God's judgment that comes in fire in times of great fire. I don't say that that's a coincidence. 
I say that this is God's word relevant to us today. It's what God is leading us to read and to understand. That when the droughts come, we might look to the the bringer of rain. When the fires come, we might recognize that when fire is on the doorstep, well, our desire is to protect what's valuable to us. And so if the fire is at our doorstep, what is most valuable? What is it that we can build on that foundation that will preserve, uh, be preserved? What can we build upon it that will last? And while the people have hard faces and they've turned their face against God, I think even here Jeremiah speaks to them of, of what it needs to be. Not of people who are preaching, uh, allowing people to, to live as they want to. He says they're like fowlers calling birds into their cages. People who are, are being brought under the teaching of a, of a church or, or a leader who, who feel like in this there is safety and security, but really there is no freedom. They're just caught and stored up for a day of judgment. Their houses are full of deceit. Though they are rich, have grown fat and sleek, they know no bounds of their deeds of evil. This is God's criticism against them. The cause of the fatherless is far from them. They do not defend the rights of the needy. These things God is calling us to. A bit like the New Testament that says, you want to know if you love God or not? Test it. Do you love your brother? If you don't love the person that you can see, how can you say that you love a God that you can't see? Just like that ash falling on my car this morning reminding me that there are people in need that aren't in my immediate vision doesn't mean that I'm not responsible in that. There are people who are needy. There are people who are orphaned. There are people crying out for justice and they're asking the people of God to stand beside them, to care for them, to help them. Are we those sorts of people? Or will God punish us for these things? Shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this, that lives only for its own comfort, that lives only for its own pleasure, that lives in order that the world might be an acceptable place for them? An appalling and horrible thing God describes it as has happened in this land. Prophets prophesy falsely, priests rule at their own discretion, and my people love to have it so. People who tickle their ears, tell them what they want to hear. Those people will find a great following. I want to warn you of wicked men laying traps, proclaiming false freedom. For I think they do not fear the judgment of God for themselves or for you. Turn with me please to... Luke chapter 18. As the prophet says, what will you do when the end comes? Jesus in Luke 18 also speaks of that same end. 
He tells them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For while he refused, sorry, for a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Remember what Jeremiah was looking for? People in the, the city who were for, for the cause of justice and truth. All he found were people who were denying the needs of the fatherless and the widow. But he was looking for people of mercy and truth. For he is a God of mercy and truth. And he wants us to be praying mercy and truth. And in verse 8, Jesus continues, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth I want to leave you with that question this morning. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find true followers of Christ? Will he find those who are building his kingdom in their own lives by saying no to sin and saying yes to God? Will he find people who in their lives are looking beyond the, the meeting of their own needs and are faithful in meeting the needs of others? Will he find people who are seeking the truth and pursuing it? Will he find faith on the earth? Let us pray. Father, we know that the judgment came to Judah. The armies of Babylon came in like the lion, like the wolf, like the leopard and took them from that good land that you had given and promised to them lord we know by your word that a day will come when judgment will come where justice will finally be served but you have given us like jeremiah a message that brings truth it burns it reveals those things that are true and those things that are a lie. It warns because it says that, that it's not just blessing that God brings, particularly when those who bear his name walk in disobedience before him. Lord, we want not just to be saved from the fire or preserved despite a fire that, that tests our works. Lord, we want to see you glorified in our lives. We want truth to be heard. We want hearts and, and faces to be softened. That we would turn to you, be obedient to you, bring glory to you. Do this work in us, Lord, for there is such need in our communities. Do this work in us, Lord, for there are those who are alone and need not be alone. Do this work in us, Lord, that, that as we walk as, as examples of Christ, 
that people would know not just his forgiveness, but, but his restoration. Speak to us through your word. Convince us by your spirit and lead us in your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.